Hi, and welcome back to Kylie Says. I'm your host, Kylie. I am a mom. I have two adorable kiddos, an amazing and incredibly handsome husband, and I also am a senior marketing executive by day. Over the past few years, I have gone on what I am calling a total spiritual awakening journey. I have begun adopting things into my life like manifestation, visualization. I have begun incorporating psychedelic therapy. I talk here on the podcast about everything from recovering from my eating disorder, living with a highly perfectionist outlook on life. I talk about motherhood, friendships, marriage, and more. I also am no bullshit when it comes to the spirituality journey and what wellness truly means to me because I don't think that wellness means that you suddenly have all of your shit together. That is 100% not true. Becoming the best version of yourself is my interpretation of wellness, no matter what that means. It doesn't necessarily mean you're drinking green juice or that you're having or taking all of these supplements. It just means that you're finding new ways to connect to yourself through deeply personal experiences, through things like journaling or through things like manifestation, visualizing your future and really connecting to your best self in whatever that might look like, whether it's grounding whether it's meditating, whether it's doing yoga or just taking a 10-minute walk every day. Your version of wellness is my version of wellness. I'm on the process of figuring out what it means and I am so, so thankful that you chose to join me. Tune up, buckle in. That did not even make sense, but I'm not even going to delete it because that's literally the purpose of this. We're going to just go through this together, join me, and let's figure out what the hell life is all about, shall we? A few weeks ago, I did an episode on what ketamine-assisted psychotherapy is. I have since completed my very first session, and I have five to go, and I have been so excited to record this episode to tell you all about what that process looked like, what my experience was, what the format was, how you need to have a peer treatment monitor with you throughout the experience, and let's just jump right in. So. If you missed that past episode, I highly encourage you to listen to it. Um, It is episode number 23, I want to say, but it's titled, What is Ketamine-Assisted Psychotherapy and Why Am I Trying It? So one of the things that was the most appealing to me was this sense of neuroplasticity that will become available to you for you know, at least seven to 14 days after you take part in ketamine-assisted psychotherapy. And... One of the definitions of neuroplasticity is really the ability of the nervous system to change its activity in response to intrinsic or extrinsic stimuli by reorganizing the structure, functions, and connections of your brain. So this is basically the neuro, imagine a highway and all of your thoughts are little cars. Every single thought is traveling along a highway. It can get stopped at a traffic light. It can be speeding through a red light. And that might be like an anxious thought that you feel like you can't totally slow down. But ultimately, the benefit of neuroplasticity 
is that your neural networks in your brain literally can start changing through growth and reorganization. So your brain can be rewired to function in a different way than how it previously functioned based on the neuroplasticity that becomes available to you through opening up your brainwaves, opening up your cognition and the way that you think through ketamine-assisted psychotherapy. And one of the reasons that I was so interested in moving forward with this is because I have been a victim of my own negative inner thoughts for honestly, like as long as I can remember, probably since I was, I don't know, maybe 10 or 12. And I was the most excited to go through the process because part of it is that I'm trying to get off of my antidepressants and ketamine therapy has been shown to benefit those who currently have anxiety or depression to rewire some of the to help them rewire the way that they think about certain instances and certain things and change their thought patterns to allow them to no longer require or no longer be wholly dependent on their SSRIs. That is a goal of mine. I want to get to a place where I don't necessarily feel like I have to be putting those sorts of drugs in my body every single day to control my thoughts. I am currently going through the process of dropping or complete, you know, to completely eliminating the process of taking my SSRIs on a daily basis. I want to be more in control of my own thoughts. I want to experience feelings in a different way. I was almost starting to feel too neutral to life after being on this medication for about four years where situations would come up and arise and I would almost have zero emotions to them. And that is absolutely not me. I'm a highly emotional person. I'm incredibly sensitive. I am incredibly reactive. There were certain situations in my life, like for instance, my daughter's diabetes diagnosis, where I almost felt that I was too even keeled in that situation. At the time, it was a huge benefit because I was able to just buckle up, be a total soldier throughout the entire process and move forward and be the strength that my family truly needed me to be in that moment. However, that is not necessarily how I want to move forward with my life forever. I want to be able to feel things. I want to be able to have those emotions and work through them. Part of my healing journey right now that I'm on is being able to sit with some of the thoughts that are uncomfortable, identify what those thoughts are, and figure out how to move forward from them and not just sweep them under the rug with things like alcohol or you know, my disordered eating past, which was, I would have something scary and anxious come up like an, Oh fuck moment. Oh my God. What have I done? What have I done? What have I done? And then I would purge to get rid of it and think, okay, I've, you know, I feel so much better now that I've taken care of that. And it was really this fight or flight response that was happening every single time I ate anything. And it was so unhealthy and so truly exhausting. So the more that I started looking into psychedelic therapy, it just felt like it was the right time for me to try it. And to give a little bit of just context, have I tried psychedelics in the past? Yes. Always in the context of like a party scene though. So like, okay, let's try some MDMA or something along those lines where we're going to be around a bunch of people. I was highly anxious from the start feeling like, okay, I don't, every single time that I had one of those experiences, it never really ended up affecting me very well. Or I felt like I was I felt like I was a gargoyle statue that could literally not stand up or not move because it was so overwhelming for me, the feelings that I was feeling in my body. I was incapable of accepting that it felt good because deep down I felt like this is so wrong. I'm not supposed to be doing this. Does this make me a bad person? 
why does everyone else seem like they're so okay with just letting go? I wanted to be in control of everything, yet I also was, so I was incredibly resistant to the idea of, not necessarily of the idea of losing control, because I would also just drink heavily where I would 100% lose control, but that felt more intentional to me, and these sorts of experience with psychedelics did not make me feel that way. I felt like, oh my God, I can't control how my body feels, and it made me super nervous. So there's a time at Outside Lands where I literally was sitting on the floor for like six hours because I felt like I could not stand up and I could not control my body. I was so anxious, but I was trying incredibly hard. No, I'm cool. I can handle this. You know, yeah, it's not a problem for me. I just would prefer to sit. Of course, I don't want to sit when I'm listening to music. I want to be dancing. I want to be enjoying things. I want to be enjoying the experience with my friends. I was so in my own head that it was like, it was not even worth it. It was a waste of a concert. It was a waste of an outdoor experience festival where I could have been having so much more fun. And one of the things that really appealed to me right now is that I have been going through the process of working through some of my self-inflicted trauma, whether that be a negative thought pattern and being able to identify it and start doing some research into the root cause of where that thought maybe had first cropped up and how I continued to believe that thought throughout my entire life. I've been going through the process of working towards identifying the difference between a thought and a feeling and then the difference between a thought, a feeling, and a fact because I may feel fat because I've eaten a heavy meal. I may think that I am not attractive because I feel fat. The facts are I am 100% overweight. (laughs) And according to the BMI chart, I am in fact obese. But I, and I like, I I accept that to a degree, but I also don't feel deep down like, okay, it's not that bad. You know, so it's this weird dichotomy of I'm trying to be aware of the fact that before simply stepping on a scale and seeing the number that I see now would have put me into a mental and emotional tailspin where even the idea of buying clothes or putting on clothes would have been such a traumatic experience. It would have left me in an absolute fight or flight situation where my nervous system would have been so out of whack. I would have just been my response would be to go out and drink heavily and purge every single thing throughout the day so that I could get drunk as fast as physically possible and then do God knows what and get attention that I felt like I deserved because I'm doing all of this work, but really I was hiding from doing all of the work. Now I have spent years doing quote unquote the work to better identify who the heck I am. What do I want out of life? I had this really scary I guess, thought pattern about what is my purpose in life? What am I here to do? And I feel so much more aligned with what my purpose is in life. And I think that I'm following it now. And that all of the work that I did getting to this point made me feel incredibly comfortable going into an experience where I could actually be in a safe space in my own home. I could be talking with people who were wholly supportive of the opportunity that I had at, you know, at hand. I could set an intention around what I wanted to do and write in a journal before and or afterwards to really highlight my experience and then reconnect to talk about what it was actually like. And I think the one thing that I loved about, I also worked with Mind Bloom. And if you're interested, I do have a $100 off code, but that is, I'm not here to sell you. If that's of interest for you, totally reach out or look into it. But 
one thing that I loved was the process because everything is so well-intentioned and thoughtful and that to me is the way that you should be approaching something like psychedelic therapy because if you know yourself well enough to know that medication or drugs make you feel totally outside of your head this might not be an opportunity or an experience for you that's going to be really positive but I had done so much intentional work leading up to this moment in time that by the time it actually took place I felt so honestly like giddy I was so excited for the opportunity to have this neuroplasticity in my in my brain and I was hopeful that I would be able to like change, reorganize, and honestly regrow some of the neural networks in my head that are the highways that continue to take those cars with the negative thoughts down my highway and just land in the parking garage where I believed all of the cars that have landed in that parking garage with negative thoughts, I believed. Now that parking garage is clearing out. And I'm using analogies because for me, I'm super visual, so it's more helpful too. And I think that it's really helpful for others also. So neuroplasticity can honestly involve like the functional changes of your brain and allow you to relearn certain things and it the plasticity is really about like the brain's malleability so that's if you're malleable you're open to change think of like some child modeling clay that would be considered malleable and i think so neuroplasticity neuro is equal to like the neurons so it allows your, it presents an opportunity for your nerve cells to potentially change or adjust. And <clears throat> according to research, I'm on verywellminds.com, it says that the human brain is composed of approximately 100 billion neurons. And early researchers used to believe that neurogenesis, which is the creation of neurons, stopped shortly after birth, which is literally nuts. So, the two types of brain plasticity, according to Very Well Mind, um, the brain's ability to adapt and change. And then there are two types structural, which is experiences or memories <clears throat> that change a brain's physical structure. So this can be a negative experience that you might have lived or that you might have internalized. And then the second type is functional plasticity, which is where your brain functions move from a, da- a damaged area to an undamaged area. So if you think about it in this way, a parking garage that is collapsed, that would be the damaged area. And that's almost where you're incapable of having new thoughts or new thought patterns because you are so used to parking in that damaged garage and going through all the dust and the dirt and the grime and all of the falling parts to park your car. And then you're climbing over everything to get all, you know, to get all the way out. That's essentially what I felt like had happened in my brain before I started this journey. I felt like there was so much clutter in there that I did not even know where to turn to identify what my current reality was and how I felt in certain situations. So I started doing a lot of research. I am a researcher by nature because I'm super curious and I want to know all of the things. I love to be informed. And I also like to experiment. So I started listening to different podcasts. I started looking up all of the information I could find on websites. I started reading about people's experiences, which that's a total pro or con because you'll find what you're looking for on the internet. So if you want the bad, you'll find it. If you want the good, you might have to search a little bit harder. So I would be cautious of looking into other people's experiences that way. The reason why I turned to podcasts more specifically to listen to people's experiences is because A, it's the form that I prefer in downloading content. 
and digesting content. I love to be able to listen to something while I'm doing laundry, while I'm making food, while I'm on a walk or on my workout bike on the Peloton or something along those lines. So that was the format that worked for me. And I feel like you get so much more of a thoughtful approach when you actually listen to someone talking about their experience because they'll tell you the good and the bad. And especially if it's in an interview format where someone's interviewing someone about what is the purpose, what do you know, what can I seek to experience? So for me, this was all about an experiential opportunity to take part in something that I felt like could be a huge benefit for my ongoing mental health. So let me dig into a little bit about what the process is like, because in order, this is not something where all of a sudden you say, you know, I think I'm just going to try ketamine-based psychotherapy. I'll just get the drugs. We'll do the drugs and then we'll see what the heck happens. That is not a format that I feel super comfortable with. So nor do I think it would be safe for anyone. So what I loved about this is that the format is very much you submit, you basically submit yourself just like you would if there was, you know, like a a sample group of a survey going on. I'm trying to think of what that word is and I totally can't think of it. But like um, if you're participating in some sort of like experiment or something, you basically have to submit yourself and fill out a questionnaire and then you are deemed either a good candidate or a bad candidate based on your responses to the questionnaire. From there, you then are required to basically create a profile and you have to set up time to meet with a psychiatrist. They're going to ask you a ton of questions about yourself. They're going to learn about why you're even looking into this. Are you currently experiencing like suicidal thoughts? They want to know all about your mental health to make sure that you are mentally stable enough to take part in this experience because there is no way to know how one person will react and there are also no ways to guarantee an outcome and so they have to be they have to do their own due diligence to make sure that you're putting yourself in a safe environment in order to take part in this opportunity and I'm very glad that they do that due diligence because I can see how it could create a lot of anxiety if you are on the other side and let's say you're the psychiatrist interviewing someone who's about to take part in this And then you have the responsibility of saying, yes, I think that they're okay to do this or no, I don't think that they're okay to do this and we need to pull them out of this. So I was deemed as a candidate that seemed fitting to partake. So that made me super excited. From there, you get the opportunity. And one thing that I forgot to mention is that you also get the opportunity to identify who you want your psychiatrist to be in this, who you'll meet with multiple times. And then you also get to work with someone who is considered your guide. So you get a whole list that you get to scroll through. It's almost like a dating profile app and you get to see who best aligns to what you're looking for. So I specifically chose mindfulness. I specifically chose people who have experience with disordered body image or eating disorders. So a psychiatrist who might work with clients on a day-to-day basis in some of those realms was very, very interesting to me. And that's where I went as opposed to someone who, you know, had an awesome background, but wasn't totally aligned with what the intention I wanted to get out of the experience was. I loved that you were able to kind of look through and then you also get access to their schedules. So based on like when you're looking to, you know, partake in this, you then get to kind of determine that based on the person that you're interested in moving forward with and when they have availability. Another thing to note is that every single part of this is totally virtual. So that gives you another opportunity to kind of choose where and when you're you're booking things and where and when you're taking, you know, where do you want to do this in the morning? Do you want to do this at night? Yada, yada. 
so from there after that like hour I think my first psychiatric call was like an hour plus because my husband joined me so that he could be incredibly informed and what the opportunity and like basically in what I was going through and why he did not agree with me going forward with it but he supported me because I felt so strongly about it which I am truly so thankful for so after that call they basically say okay you know and you have to say your height and your weight because you will end up getting a dose a milligram dose that's based on your body weight I ranged down because I thought that what I weighed was a little bit less I ended up weighing about six pounds more but that for me that fluctuates super like drastically based on any variables of things so you know just if to you you're like very mindful about that or things impact you really specifically and you're traditionally the same weight you know all of the time then great that's not the case for me so that's just a little call out because your dosage will be based on your weight and your height so they they ask you all of those questions they ask you what are you know what are you hoping to accomplish from this tell me about your mental health what medications are you on right now what like experiences are you going through right now and basically they're just seeking to better understand kind of where you're at mentally and where you're at in life right now and why like there's a little bit of a why now undertone and if you hadn't thought about that before that time is a great time to kind of align with what your why now is because you should absolutely have a why now before going into this opportunity I think that it's incredibly important if you don't have a why now and you don't set an intention it kind of becomes just this free-for-all and it doesn't give you that alignment that you might need or that might be beneficial for you to at least consider to explore as you're moving forward so you talk with them about that and then you get sent what's called a bloom box and this box incorporates a pen a journal an eye mask a blood pressure cuff and a little guidebook that's like here's what's going to happen next you also are required to download the app in the app you can go through a bunch of different soundtracks that you will be listening to at the time of your dosing experience i the day before my experience i took a bath and i listened to the intros of every single one of the recommended soundtracks and really tried to put myself in the experience of what i would be feeling and thinking and experiencing at the time when I was going through the dosing experience so that I could utilize the soundtrack that best encompassed what my intention was and best encompassed what I really wanted to feel, which was upbeat. I wanted to feel happy. I wanted to feel like floaty. I wanted to feel kind of like ethereal, magical. So listening to the music was in advance was really helpful for me because then by the time I kind of like tuned in, it felt super familiar to me. So I chose my, I chose my soundtrack based on that experience the day before you also are required to fill out a baseline assessment in advance and this basically is just another it's kind of a reiteration of the questions that you were asked during your psychiatric evaluation and then you have to submit that in advance prior to your first session you also are required or heavily recommended to submit an intention that then goes to your guide this intention is something you can choose to talk about with your guide you can choose to just kind of write it down and then let it be in your subconscious or you can really go in with like a goal so before your session begins you ultimately have like this two to two and a half hour period where at the time that you are quote unquote beginning you have a call with your guide 
It's the first time that you're meeting your guide. They want to basically have you reiterate like, okay, you know, how are you feeling? What are you hoping to get out of today? Is there anything that you're nervous about? What are you feeling? And then they also require to talk to your peer treatment monitor. And that's basically just a person who is going to be around you that can be checking in on you to make sure that you're doing okay. If you start to feel anxious or kind of feel, you know, like you're having an out-of-body experience in a negative way, then you have someone there with you to kind of help be the adult in the scenario if you're feeling like you're overwhelmed or you're out of control and you need someone to kind of help ground you back to life and integrate back into your day-to-day. I chose to do my first session in the morning, which I actually thought was really great because then I had the rest of the day to sit outside. It happened to be sunny that day. It was hot. So I could sit outside. I could journal. I could read. And it's really they recommend that throughout the rest of the day so for instance if you're someone who is heavily influenced by things like social media in a negative way they recommend that you refrain from jumping on social media after you've had or after you've gone through this experience so you have like a a 30 minute call with your guide they speak to your peer treatment monitor to basically go over what their role in your experience is and they won't be doing this again after the very first time so it's kind of just like this is the first time that you go through it so that they can get an overview of so that you can get an overview of what the experience is meant to be like and so that your peer treatment monitor can also get um, an overview of kind of like what your um, what you're going to be going through so that they can understand the experience for you and how they're supposed to check on you and the environment that they're supposed to be kind of helping set for you. I chose to go forward with the experience in my bedroom because my bedroom to me feels like an oasis. It is highly recommended that you do this somewhere where you feel A, safe, and somewhere that feels super comfortable and relaxing to you. If you have like a home office where you're always having stressed out conversations, you know, at work or you have, you know, you had a review in in your office and you just have bad energy in there, don't go there. Like they really recommend that you go somewhere. You can be at a hotel, you can be at someone else's house. Just be somewhere where you feel safe and where you feel totally comfortable to just relax and let go and where you feel just like you're in a warm hug. So I chose our bedroom for that purpose. And then after the call, so they also have you do a blood pressure reading in advance to see what your blood pressure is. And then they have you do an afterwards as well so that they have a sense of how much your heart rate increased and or, you know, usually your heart rate will increase. But just to make sure that you're not like out of body and that your nervous system isn't totally in fight or flight mode where it's signaling that your anxiety is rising and you might need to kind of, you know, take some calm breaths or calm down in advance before you take part in the session. Um, also, you get a package that's a separate package outside of the bloom box where you have your journal and your pen and your eye mask. And in that package, you will have nausea medication and you'll take that one hour before, especially if you know that you traditionally get quite ill when taking medication or when taking strong drugs. That's something that they recommend that you take at least an hour in advance to kind of get your system set. You also are not taking any of your SSRI medication in advance. You are not taking coffee and you are not having alcohol or doing any sort of drugs in advance of your session. And that's for like multiple hours before your session. So that's another reason why I wanted to do mine like relatively first thing in the morning because as soon as I was done, I decided to make coffee and have my breakfast. And I was so I was basically fasting going into this. You outside of the nausea medication, you'll get your milligram dose of ketamine prescribed based on your height and your weight, as I mentioned. And you'll go over with your guide in advance exactly what the process is like. I had already done a ton of research in advance, so I knew exactly what to expect. And then they'll make you reiterate back to them. Okay, so tell me how you take the medication. And one thing that I think is super important that I wouldn't have thought about. Um, 
my the psychiatrist that I spoke to was saying when you spit out the medication don't just spit it into your sink where it just goes back into um you know I don't know the drain because it still kind of lives on and then if you're you know you have someone drinking tap water like just the idea of that feels unsafe so let's be really safe in how we're disposing of this so you get a little pill and it feels a little bit rough like literally around the edges and instead of putting it underneath your tongue like sublingually you basically do the same thing but you put it right in between your lower lip and your gums you sit up with your chin towards your chest and you let it dissolve for seven minutes as soon as you press start on your soundtrack you have a seven minute introduction that goes over some things but it's basically just a talk track that is meant to kind of get you started and keep you distracted as your medication is digesting you are heavily like it is heavily recommended that you do not swallow anything and that is because it can increase the side effects it can create negative side effects more of those like if you were going to go into a anesthetic state which is highly like it is not recommended at all and then it can also make you feel a lot more sick so you at that seven minute mark you'll spit out the medication and I chose to also rinse my mouth and spit everything into this bag that I zipped off I zipped up and then could dispose of outside in the trash where the kids and no one could get into it so if you have pets etc you want to make sure that it's put somewhere like in a cup or something that you can immediately throw out and after that you get settled back in your space in your little safe space and you quote unquote kick off and there are so many different ways again that this can go so there's not like a one size fits all approach but I really went into it with the mindset of I am here with the intention of experimenting to identify new thought patterns and build new neural frameworks for myself so that I can increase the positive thinking and like positive psychology in my own head that I can be more compassionate about myself and my own self thoughts that I can re you know potentially rehardwire some of my negative thinking that's plagued me for so long that I can be a happier person that I can function differently and that I ultimately don't feel like I need my SSRI medication anymore to function and that I am in charge of my own thoughts feelings and experiences to such a degree that I can rewire the negativity that I have baked into my current thought patterns and rewire all of that to grow new neuron like new neuropathways to form more positive thinking so I I kind of honestly felt like it was a deeply meditative state for me because I meditate quite frequently I felt like I was just in a very very relaxed state I almost felt like I could just fall asleep I could feel like my mind was kind of wandering at times, like I had a ton of thoughts all at once. So I just took a few deep breaths and tried to kind of like refocus and really let the downloads come to me. A few things that became super clear, one of them was my spirit guide's name. And I have immediately, every, not every time, but for the most part, when I'm meditating or when I'm in a meditative state and I've asked who my spirit guide is, this name continuously just like pops up for me. It's it's a common name but it's not like a name of anyone I know 
or anyone that I engage with frequently. No one at work. It's not like a name that I hear all the time in any of the books I listen to or in any of the podcasts that I listen to. Like I have no connection to this name, but every time I've asked like, who is my spirit guide, that name has popped up and it almost appears to me like in the front of my skull like a a flashing sign so it's like okay this is something that I need to pay attention to and I'm just trying to give you an example of like my eyes are shut but visually that's how I am downloading the information and being able to interpret okay this is a sign for me I also am hugely into angel numbers which you know if you've listened to my angel number episode and traditionally I'm seeing ones and twos the most And one of the things that I thought was really interesting is I kept getting this download of like 555 angel number and it was basically like 555 angel number and beyond, 555 angel number and beyond, like pay attention to 555 angel number and beyond. And so I was kind of like, what the heck is this trying to tell me? Because I love angel numbers, but I don't see 555 all that often. I continuously see like my 111, my 1111, which 1111 I have been seeing consistently since my ketamine journey, which is so validating to me. But 555, and I'm getting goosebumps right now, which is again, just like a validation of everything and the fact that this was so the journey that I was supposed to go on. Oh my God, my whole body is covered in goosebumps right now. Um, okay. So I kept getting this download of five, five, five and beyond five, five, five and beyond. You used to be in the one, one, one and the two, 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 but now it's time for you to move into five, five, five and the rest of the numbers that you'll see in the, like through angel numbers. And one, so I looked it up of course afterwards and five, 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 it says it can serve as The symbolism of angel number 555 can serve as a reminder to trust in the journey and know that you're being guided and supported on your path. In addition to its associations with change and creativity, 555 is also believed to symbolize growth and development both personally and spiritually. And again, I just have goosebumps everywhere. Like, I feel like someone is with me right now. This is crazy. But that is the message that I continuously got throughout this journey. I also was seeing things in the sense of sometimes I would shut my eyes and see like little purple swirls behind my eyes. Everything was like very light and approachable and it just felt like my whole experience was very grounded. Like I felt I was very much purposefully meant to experience that when I did and how I did like I knew that I was doing it in the right way with the right intentions I also was getting a lot of information about how to best show up for my family and for myself and in particular for my husband and that I've been getting a lot of good feedback from others about you know my mindset being positive and I've been getting a lot of good feedback just mentally and spiritually as I'm taking part in my meditations and really connecting with my guides and my angels and I'm putting a lot of that into like myself and maybe my kids and my work but not so much into the most important relationship which is to my husband and to my partner so I really got this kind of like aha moment of like I need to be more appreciative of my partner and understand how genuinely lucky I am to like be loved by this person unconditionally and I need to use some of the tools that I'm working towards in my journey towards that relationship so that was something that was really special for me because 
I felt like I was kind of, we were kind of in a weird period almost leading up to this opportunity. And since then, I feel like I've, my mindset has just shifted. It has changed because I feel like I really got kind of hit with that aha of, okay, like I can be, you know, I can go through my spiritual journey and the spiritual awakening and I can be doing all of the right things. But if I'm not also putting energy and attention into my partner and I'm instead like taking out all of my nagging and everything that's bothering me on that person and giving everyone else the best of me, like, A, that is just seriously unfair. And B, I need to be more understanding of the things that light him up and the ways in which he wants me to show up. And mind you, he doesn't tell me any of those things. So half of it is guessing, but it's also like, it just became a little bit more clear to me. Like if you're putting all of your positivity and your, your positive intentions to things that are external from your home outside of your kids, what good is that going to do you in the long run? Like you want to be able to grow together, not to grow apart. So that was something that was really kind of like a, oh shit, like I need to be doing a better job at this and I need to be more understanding. I need to be more intimate. I need to be like, we're both, we both operate pretty individually. Like, to be honest, we were never really super touchy feely. That just wasn't our style. We were strong enough in our relationship to know that we didn't need to go through those, like, like the act of putting on a show to, you know, feel like we were, to feel like we were being seen by each other. But that was just something that I thought was really, really interesting. So those were the main things that came out of my session. And I just want to go through the other angel meaning, angel number meanings from six, six or from five, five, five and beyond because I haven't actually looked into the rest. So we're going to be going through this live. So the angel number 666, one thing that I think is important is not to freak out because there are also, like this one kind of scared me at first because I felt like 6666 was also a negative, had a negative connotation. Like, is this bad? But in angel numbers, it's all mindset. It's not, it doesn't mean anything is like bad or going to happen to you. Um, And it has a bad word because of its like biblical meaning, but the spiritual meaning of 666 is like this encouragement to refocus. So let's see, it says, seeing seeing this number tells you to pay closer attention to any fixation you currently have on earthly problems and details. An obsession with getting everything right and taking things too seriously is a distraction from the bigger picture. An appearance of this number reminds us that we humans can become too wrapped up in our problems and lose sight of what's really important. If this appears in your path, it's a divine nudge of redirection. You might be over-focusing on something trivial to the point that you're losing sight of really what's the most important. Take note of when and where you saw this number. Okay, so that checks out. It's basically telling me not to continuously focus on all of the earthly things that might be kind of tying me or tethering me to some of the negativity that I have in my head or some of the things that are not meant on my purpose. Um, Okay, let's see. 777. The angel number 777, let's see, it's connected to the individual self. Unlike some of the other angel numbers, which are more focused on relationships, such as 222, the angel number 777 is about taking time to focus on yourself and be alone. It's about tuning out the noise and figuring out where you're headed. This angel number calls you to sit with your actions and ponder things yet to come. Okay, that is so crazy. Now let's see what 888 tells me 888 was associated with karma the 
principle, meaning what goes around comes back. The karma through this angel number signals rewards for all of your efforts. As a result, seeing 888 can mean great successes are ahead, whether it be in career or in relationships. 888 is a message from your guardian angel about new beginnings, abundance, and family. Love that because as you just heard me talk about, that's where I need to focus more. So angel number 999 is associated with completion. It means things in your current situation are coming to an end in order for new opportunities to present themselves. And then 000 angel number basically allows you to see a situation for what it's worth and the possibilities that come with it, but it also recognizes the value of something as it is, not what it can be. A change is coming. Oh my goodness. Okay. So new beginnings. Angel number 000 means that you're spiritually experiencing a divine awakening. Your spirit is helping you discover your talents. Every time I'm talking about angel numbers right now, I'm literally getting the biggest chills that I have ever had doing a podcast episode. Like, this is so crazy. There, I definitely have one of my guides or someone with me right now. Okay, so anyway, getting back to outside of the angel numbers. So once my session was complete, I heard the chime that kind of helps you signal, okay, you're, you're ready to wake out of it. I actually think I might've fallen asleep for a little bit because my jaw was so sore the following day. I think I might've fallen asleep and just been grinding my teeth a little bit because I tend to do that when I'm in a really deep sleep anyway. So I think I either was asleep for a little bit, or I started getting into this place of like just deep relaxation. And there were two different things that I think are interesting. One, I've heard that when you do ketamine, you can almost feel like either the time passed so incredibly quickly or that you had no concept of time. I almost felt the opposite. Like how much freaking time has passed right now? Like almost like where I needed to look at my watch to be like, okay, are we wrapping this thing up here soon? And not that I like wanted to get out of the experience, but I felt like during the time that I was incorporated in the experience, I felt like I had kind of downloaded all the things that I needed to download. So like I understood, like I felt like it was one of those experiences like, okay, I understood the assignment. I'm ready to move on and like integrate back into my day. And I did actually look at the clock at one point and say like, okay, I got a little bit of time left. So I'll continue to shut my eyes and just kind of like relax and breathe into it and let the experience just be what it's going to be because that's the most important thing. And once I heard the chime, that was kind of a signal of like, okay, you have a few more minutes. I just kind of shot up in bed and started journaling. And that's funny because my husband came to check on me literally right at that time and was like, oh, like, sorry, you have a few more minutes. And I was like, yeah, I know, but like, I'm just going to get up and start journaling. And then they give you, so your guide gives you a little bit of time after your experience is over to go through the journaling process and then to rejoin the Zoom call with them to talk about what did you experience? What did you see? What did you hear? Like, how was it for you? Was it positive? Was it negative? And it's a really good chance to kind of like reiterate, what did I feel? What did I experience? Because it's one thing to journal it and jot it down, but it's another to talk about it. Because sometimes when you're actually verbalizing something that you experienced, you're not really as aware of, oh wait, there's a connection there that I hadn't totally thought of until like literally right now like wow that's awesome and one thing that is so crazy that was so validating to me and I'll leave this episode on this note and when my husband and I were on our anniversary trip a few weeks ago one the place that we stayed had a little meditation area right by a creek like a river and 
I loved that because they had, it was, it's a private little area. They have meditation cushions, like a little gong in there that you can bang um, for kind of like some sound bowl experience. And then you just get to listen to the birds and the sound of the creek, like of the river going by. And it was so rewarding. And one of the things that came to me in my meditation was the simple fact that I am like the river. I am like the creek. The creek bed and the riverbed exists whether there's water in it or not. And that to me was like my thought pattern. Whether I have a good thought or bad thought, that's like the river flowing. Like I am the river that's flowing no matter what. It was basically a reminder, like continue to be in flow. Don't focus so much on the how. How did the water get there? How was it moving? It just is. Accept it for what it is. And that was kind of my reminder of like accept who you are and accept this magical life that you've been given and just go with the flow like don't question so much about what's happening or about the why and focus more on the actual being and being present and I thought my meditation was only like five to six minutes but it was so impactful and powerful and another thing that came to me when I was meditating is like it can be pouring rain and on the surface that's drastically impacting the way that this calm peaceful river looks because if the rain is hitting it's gonna you know bounce off it's gonna be it's probably gonna raise completely outside of that you know the the riverbed it might overflow but the river still moves nothing is stopping it from continuing its flow there could be a huge boulder a tree that falls in that might adjust the the path of the river but it still doesn't stop and it doesn't you know, the river doesn't have this, oh my God, what's happening? There's a rock or a tree in me. You know, like, oh my God, I don't know how to be a river anymore. It just continues its flow. And I had told my husband about that when I came back in from my meditation, because I was like, I feel like I actually got a lot in a really short amount of time. And I've been thinking about that meditation ever since. And then at the end of my session, my ketamine session, when I was speaking with my guide, we just happened to talk about our relationships and our partners because I was telling her about the download that came to me about how I need to focus more on my partner and, you know, everything that I had already mentioned. And she was telling me about, you know, something interesting that she and her partner say is that they feel that they're so connected that they're like the river and then the riverbed. The riverbed is always there to hold space for the river when it needs to flow ultimately. And she would have had zero idea, obviously, about the meditation experience I had the week prior, like a week to the day prior, when I had been sitting at the meditation center at the hotel, downloading this information into my psyche. So the fact that she reiterated that to me unknowingly was so powerful and just proof that I was in the right place at the right time with the right person living this holy collective experience and truly embracing the flow was so magical and so powerful to me. I just felt like she and I were two magnets that were just like meant to be in that place. We talked a little bit about human design and how I'm a projector and she's a manifesting generator. And I told her I would read her chart. It was just a, it was a great connection. So how was my experience? It was totally positive. And I'm looking forward to having my second experience. And in a few days, I'm going to be talking to the psychiatrist that I chose to work with to give her a download. And we'll probably be altering the milligrams that I move forward with from here on out based on my experience and I can totally do another episode afterwards about you know round two or maybe I'll just save it and do a collective experience after round six because there are six sessions total but in the meantime 
you know, I hope that this was an informative episode that you, that you learned something and that you felt seen. And I'll just leave it here. If you have enjoyed this episode or any of the others, it would mean the absolute world to me if you would leave a review or subscribe or share it with a friend. Maybe there's someone in your life who really needs to hear this. Please feel free to share it with them. And also you can connect with me on Instagram at Kylie Mojadidi and or at my blog www.tanawilds.com. This will be changing soon. I'm going through a rebrand. Please feel free to connect with me, leave a comment, leave a rating. Thank you so, so much for being here and for listening. I will talk to you soon. Again, I'm so grateful and thankful that you're here. Thanks for being open to spending the last almost 50 minutes with me. I hope you have an amazing day, afternoon, evening, wherever you are, wherever you're listening to this. Much love, power to you. Love you all.